0: Amazing Grace Kona welcome you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well guys, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. It says that in Him, that is Jesus, we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom an insight he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him the mystery of god's will is is not a hidden mystery because in the bible that mystery is revealed and peter when he wrote there in second peter chapter 3 he said it is god's will that none should perish god wants all to come to have everlasting life through repentance. They just have to turn from their sin and come to him. And he says, I have a gift for you. You know, but have you ever noticed there's some folks that are stubborn when you try to give them a gift? You know, you you say, I want to give you this. And they're like, what's the catch? What do I got to do? When God gives a gift, is there any strings attached to that? No, there's no strings. It's, he says, this is a gift I give you. And as we're going to study in the book of Ephesians comes from chapter two, it says that we're saved by grace. through faith. It's not of any works, lest any man would boast. We can't work to earn our salvation. When God says, I give you a gift, the only get, the only thing we can do is say, thank you. We just have to receive the gift. Now, you don't have to take the gift of salvation. You could say, no, thank you. I don't want it. Although I think you're a little nuts if you do that. But some people say that religious folks are nuts. And I think, yeah, some religious folk, under the definition in the in Webster's, it says R- religion is man's attempt to get to God. But the Bible doesn't describe religion. The Bible describes a relationship. The Bible says he, while I was yet a sinner, reached out to me. It says, while we were all sinners, at the right time, Christ died for us. So this thing Paul starts off to the church at Ephesus, these were the guys that they had a good foundation about Jesus and what he did. Now we continue in in the book of Ephesians and it says in him, verse seven says, We now have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Now when I talk about redemption, the younger generation doesn't understand this analogy because they didn't grow up when I in the era I did, we we would go to the grocery store and we had these little booklets. And when you would buy so much groceries, you got these little stamps. And once you filled the whole book, you could take that book to this place called a Redemption Center. And it was like a fancy little store, but with no no dollar amount price tags. The price was in, in booklets. Now, the thing is, is that this taught me something I didn't really realize. This word redemption was the act of going and buying something back. It was at this place, and the only way to pay to get the the prize out of the redemption center was to come with the appropriate booklet. You couldn't bring cash; they didn't accept cash. Only their booklet. You couldn't even bring the booklet from the other grocer down the street. They said, "Oh no, that's not money here. That's no good." The only thing that will that you could use to redeem that prize was that particular book from their setup. And now, when people, when I use these terms, I just want to explain, I'm using a physical example here, but when God had to redeem mankind from their sin, do you know what the prizes are in the window? It's us. He says, you're the prize. I want you. And to, but to redeem each one of us, he looks at this whole earth as the redemption center, but the booklet that had to be filled was the booklet that would blot out every sin that I have ever committed And the only thing that could fill in those little, instead of stamps, was the blood of our, it says we were redeemed by whose blood? Jesus' blood. His blood just put a drop over that square and a drop over that square. And every sin I committed, he just blotted it out until it was all paid for. And he said, I got it paid for. You know, that little booklet that's just the right booklet of Izzy has every sin I ever did. And he just blotted them out, just covered them up with his blood. Now if you don't think I'm excited about this, let me tell you, it changes your whole view of how you feel about your faith when you realize we're the prize. We're the prize. Jesus came to this earth and said, I want, I want God. I want Wanda. I want these girls, I want them to come be with me. But to redeem us, there was the only the only booklet that could be. It had to be the right booklet that had to be cashed in our book. And every sin in our book needed to be covered. And so Jesus said, let me do that. I will fill in every square for every one of their sins so that they can be redeemed. And then he says, I will come. Jesus said, don't be sad. This is just the intro to the book of Ephesians. Paul's already on to some really wonderful Christian concepts of our faith that we're valuable to God. And God has sent his son to redeem us through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses. According, it says, to the riches of his grace. Now it says, which he lavished upon us. What's it mean to lavish? They don't use that word in... Just gobs and gobs. Just poor... When, when a man is courting a, 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 a gal, you know, and they're re- he's, really, he's really trying to, to win her over. That's when you see them really turn the dial on the lavish side up. You know, they start, what can they get for her? What can they bring? You know, what can they do? They, do, they, go, they go above and beyond. That's lavish. But did you guys know God lavished his love upon us? What did he do for us? He gave, he gave his son. It's beautiful. He gave his son for us. And so he lavished upon us this great amount of grace. And it, says in, and it says in verse 8, In all wisdom and insight, God has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. Now with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of, of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things that are in heavens and things upon the earth, in him we have also obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. He has made it so we obtain an inheritance. And then in, what kind of inheritance do we get as Christians? The love of God. Yeah, we get the love of God. We get, and we obtain everlasting life. We obtain, Jesus said, don't, now don't let your heart be troubled because he was leaving the earth. He said to his disciples, don't be sad I go to my father's house in John 14. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Does that sound good to you to get a mansion someday? A heavenly man? I mean, and then he says, and, and not only that, he said, and I will come again to receive you to myself that where I am, you will be also, we'll be together. He wants to have us come be with him in a mansion. Now, Paul, Jesus told them, "Don't be don't be sad. I'm going to give you a comforter. A, a, in in Greek, it's called paraclete It's um, para is the pre the the suffi- uh, prefix for the one who comes with, and clete is alongside the comforter that comes up, puts their arm around it. It's going to be okay. God's Spirit will be our helper, and He teaches us. He brings to our remembrance all the things what the Lord has spoken to us. He, and he says, my spirit will be given to you. This is so we don't, we don't have to be sad that he left. He's just, he's only going to fix up a place for us. Now with this, he says, keep this in mind. We have obtained an inheritance and we have been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who are, are first to hope in Christ shall be to the praise of his glory. In him, he says, you also, having listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with the view of redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. He says, "We get, we get to be sealed by the Holy Spirit." Now, and when he says seal, what does he mean? He He says he's a seal, a pledge. The old King James says, the earnest deposit. When you want to buy some property and you say, and you're really sincere about it, they expect you to give a deposit. It's not a refundable thing. It's you're saying, this is I'm I'm sincere. I'm willing to and some sometimes the, the earnest deposit might be more than 10%, might be 20%, 30%. Just to show that you're really sincerely telling the owner of that land, hey, don't sell to anyone else. I'm coming back with the rest. You know, here's a, here's enough to to let you know I will be back. And when when we do that with property, we understand the ideas. Just to tell them now, you have to take it off the market. It's consider it already sold. I will just go get the rest of the funds to pay you. Well, Jesus says these guys are all. My prizes, and I'm paying for every one of them and just to make sure you don't forget that I'm coming back for them, I'm putting a down payment on every one i put I put my holy spirit on every one of them as a seal Now some people think of a seal like like the Romans had those seals where they put the little stamp you know with the ring and they pressed it into the wax and they sealed it like a deal it's it's finished but but I like it better as the idea of sealing, like like my kids think of when my my, my wife seals meals, the the food to make it last longer, protects it. And I think, well, you know, I think that the Lord, when he, when he gives us his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit seals us like a protection, like a a force field, a bubble around us to to watch over us. Should we teach that to new Christians so that they know that the Lord is earnest about them that he is coming back for them, that he that he really means business. You know, when he when he says, oh, I'm gonna give you everlasting life, and they say, well, how do I know? Paul right away says, you know, because of the Holy Spirit that God gave. It's like seal. It's his down payment. It's his earnest deposit. It's him saying, that's mine, and I'm coming back and i'm i mean business like you know no no one else gets to buy that no one else gets to take that already spoken for the deal is already in the works that's what i i like to bring out when we look at this cuz paul is explaining things here now in the greek it's a little bit more clear because it comes straight across like you're like the same words you use to buy the land that you're putting down the pledge you're god saying i'm giving my spirit as my pledge that's my 10% that's my That's my down payment. They're off the market. They now belong to God. We belong to him. Now, this is something that the church at Ephesus, this is his opening. Guys, everybody just want you to remember, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that. And the Holy Spirit, he he does so many things in our lives that Christians have been a Christian a long time. They just take it for granted. They're so used to the Holy Spirit, that little voice that whispers in their ear, don't do that. And there's no one around. You're you're like, there's no one here. And you know, that little voice is saying, don't do it. you're like, okay. Or the same spirit might tell you, go and do this. And he'll lead you and guide you. And it's a beautiful thing when we follow his leading and his guiding. If we listen, will God guide us? Yes. And his spirit was given as part of the assurance that we that we get an inheritance from God. So when people say, How do you know that we're gonna get an inheritance? I say, hope. Oh, let me tell you, that Spirit of God, he never stops doing his job. Does he? He always, he's always on the job. If I'm going the wrong way, he's always going, uh-uh, back up, get back on the right path. He always is correcting my course into the path that the, the psalmist wrote, he he, he lights. Our path. He illuminates. He is the one that leads us and He guides our footsteps. We listen to Him. Now He says, For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, He says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you might know what the hope of his calling is. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Great. This prayer that he prays. Because when you get to know about Jesus, well, it gives you stability in life and all the decision-making you have to face, all the things that you're going to go through. When you know that the Lord is with you, when you know that he has sealed you, and how special are you? I don't think this generation is really being told how special they are. To, to the Lord, you know, how, how much does he care about them, that he would redeem them? Jesus said, you are special. You know, we used to sing a song, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. That song really taught me how much I'm special to the Lord. Because I knew what redeem meant. I just never thought of it where I was the prize. I was always the one doing the redeeming. In this case, in this verse, who's redeeming? He is. And who's he redeeming? All of us. He's saying, I'm paying for them all. I want them all. And we want to pass that on to the next generation so they know how special they are to God. That's one thing I think is lacking the most in this generation is they didn't get to grow up with this constant knowing of what I call like the early Bible The Bible Belt days of our country had a very firm foundation of this truth that we were redeemed by Jesus, by his blood. And it affected, you know, the outlook of many people because they knew in the back of their mind, God paid for me too. Gave our country a different morale. A different, different, just the way people felt about another person. We were special. Every life is special to God. Because he wants to redeem. How many does he want to save? Everyone. He doesn't want any to perish. You know, some people are like, God, I pray you kill those guys in ISIS because they're doing horrible things. I pray God saves them. Remember that, well, the guy writing this book, his name is Paul here, but he used to be called Saul of Tarsus. And he used to be a killer of Christians. And then the Lord had to give him a little... Smack on the back of the head, kind of slap him. I call it spiritual slap. He just said, "Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecutest me?" And says the Lord showed up to Saul, bright as the brighter than the sun at high noon, and said, "Why are you persecuting me?" And he said, "Who, out, who art thou, Lord, that I might serve thee?" Quick, comeback by Saul, and he said I'm Jesus. This was after Jesus rose from the dead. Who was Saul really persecuting? He was persecuting the Christians who believed in Jesus. Saul picked the fight with the Lord. He lost. (laughs) You're always going to lose. By the way, don't pick a fight with the Lord. You will lose. But he lost and the Lord just said, all right, come Saul. And he showed him all that he would suffer. For the next three days, Saul was blind until Barnabas came and prayed. And these things like scales fell from his eyes. And then the Lord changed him. And you, from a pro, persecutor of the gospel to a preacher. That's the guy who's writing this letter. That's why he's so big on the grace of God, because God showed him so much grace. And you know, if what if we could pray for all those guys that are beheading Christians right now, that they would become Christians and be just as zealous for the gospel as they are for what they're doing now. They make some pretty powerful preachers if we just pray for their... We should pray. God wants everyone to be saved. I know I know some people are like, no, pastor, don't pray that. Just kill him. I would rather see him saved first. Don't you think the Lord would want them to be saved? The devil wants them to perish. He want, he's already deceived them. He's pulled the blinders over their eyes. They're, fo- they're following false gods, false understandings. They're being taught if they go and kill the infidels that they'll get a harem of Women in the afterlife and all this stuff. And they're being taught a lie. But the truth is, God will still forgive them if they will repent. And they need salvation too. We to pray for them. That they would come to know his, his revelation of his son. He's the source of all wisdom. If you need to know what to do, what direction to go in your life, you need him to illuminate your path. How many times have we cried out, Oh God, I need to know what to do. Give me your wisdom. And does he ever fail us? If we ask, it says he gives freely. He always does. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at amazinggracekona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.